we're going to be taking through the progress of our black comedy feature film. Who are you, by the way? Nobody, nobody knows who we are. <laughs> what this is, is a DIY cinema podcast for DIY filmmakers. The idea is that you don't wait for permission, you just start. This is our first feature film, something we're going to do together. Uh, you're going to get it warts and all. <laughs> <laughs> so we just go into it. I kind of think we could. This is DIY Cinema Cult. Uh, hello, Mark. Hello, Aaron. How are you doing, mate? How's it going? I'm all right. Yes, I'm all right. Happy that we are at episode 11, I believe. Episode 11, welcome everyone. Legs, legs 11, as they used to do when I used to go to bingo with my uh, grandparents. <laughs> legs 11. Oh. Um, I did a really, I'll have to put a better sound in post there, but that's meant to be a, that's a be pint like a tinkling. glass. I've got like a... Oh, oh yeah, yeah, we should be able to do our gin, gin bean tinkling. Yeah, go on, I'm gonna... There you go, legs 11. I'm going to pour my gin now. I've got mine in a little shaker. I've got a... Uh, I'm, I'm going slightly upmarket. It is a Gordon's product. Again, there. Uh, Very nice. Uh, this is with uh, a lemon twist to it. Very so it, fancy, mate. It's, yeah. Uh, my other half described it as a kind of lemon cello of the gin, wor gin world. Ooh. Mm. Okay. Well, there you go. Well, it's been interesting kind of a couple of weeks. I've been, uh, well, obviously, we're still in a sort of a vague lockdown, although that's very um, rapidly becoming kind of aware that it's uh, a sort of evaporating lockdown. There's also been yeah. heavy, very heavy world events, obviously, with, with all of the Black Lives Matter stuff that's been going on. So it feels like this year is the uh, the the year of of tumult change and uh, oh god it's been radical, crazy hasn't it it's radical things a... happening yeah absolutely are your kids asking questions about things that are going on what of what's been happening with the, how are they kind of dealing with things they hear in the news well i mean their news saturation is pretty low there's no doubt that it that you know i mean they don't have anything i guess to compare it to but there's no doubt yeah. that that it must just be a constant barrage because it's been Trump and, you know, uh, ecological disaster, biodiversity loss and uh, Brexit and yeah. uh, pandemics and race uh, riots and, and all of these things. There, but there are certainly elements of hope about about these uh, big events. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, my two older boys, is, as you know, are mixed race. Yeah. We always talk about race, you know, at home and have lots of discussions about it. The, the only unfortunate change is, you know, suddenly from, from it always being a very positive conversation, suddenly there's difficult conversations to be had mm. like what's happened with them. Um, with the murder of George Floyd. So, and, and also I feel for them as well, because with this whole pandemic that's been going on, their grandfather died of COVID a couple, of, couple yeah. of weeks ago and he, he was their African granddad. He's yeah. the link back to Ghana. So I feel for my boys. I think they're kind of really, they're, they're doing really, really well, but putting, putting all these pieces together yeah. with what's going on and the whole kind of race, uh, the topic of race is really blowing up in the news uh, and all for good reason. Um, yeah, I think it must be a real weird time for them. Yeah, I mean, and you know, it, and it's funny sort of thinking about how we react as sort of creative people to 
these ever-changing times. You know, I mean, at the moment, can you imagine trying to write something topical? I mean, <laughs> you'll be lucky, you know, if you if you uh, if you aim to sort of, you know, oh, let's really hit the zeitgeist. I've got this great idea for a film. It's a great idea for a documentary. I'm going to really try to kind of, uh, you know, cover kind of recent events. Well, by the time you get your pen to paper, chances are the world's yeah. moved on and changed. And and I think um, the the ever onslaught of uh, of twenty four hour news and uh, and social media or what have you give, kind of gives an amplification of this effect uh, yeah. of of feeling just like there's just epic and momentous change around every corner and it's it's hard. I mean, you can imagine what it's like for a child, but it's hard for an adult to yeah. get a sense of like, well, how do we uh, respond to this and how do we kind of um, place ourselves in this world. And, and I mean, on a much sort of uh, more kind of humdrum note, I had uh, my first socially distanced film shoot uh yesterday which was Very um, nice how did that go we tried various ways to um to kind of keep our distance um obviously we had lots of hand gel around so people were constantly kind of cleaning their hands the rules are quite vague now because um yeah if, if you if you are working then you are and you are in a workplace that that cannot be your own home uh then of course you are able to sort of go anywhere, really. Yeah, um, yeah. So, you know, and I think from Monday, in fact, you know, there is going to be an even bigger bit of loosening. So non-essential shops, et cetera, will be open. Yeah. So, you know, the making of a podcast, does that, that's certainly yeah. a non-essential, but... Uh, and we have thus far been able to do it from home, but potentially try and meet yeah. up next time. I reckon we could. listening to our last episode uh, actually the other day because we've had quite a lot of chat after that last episode about a uh, screenwriting guru yeah uh, books on on the facebook on our facebook group and um i posted a picture today of a couple of books that i found on, on on my bookshelf today when i was having a little look around and i felt i felt a little bit like in our podcast i didn't properly kind of suggest or i didn't i think maybe i was about being a bit of a downer on those kind of books because yeah. ulti ultimately my thought about those kind of books is yes they can be a hindrance sometimes but i would say to anyone who's out there looking at screenwriting wants to learn more wants to write their own scripts i would say you know read a lot of them you know sid fields was another good one that we didn't we didn't really go go into on the last podcast but I, he does a brilliant book on structure because it's just you, just you just need to learn the structure of a screenplay the basics so you know what you're doing when you set out on your first on your first one but i'd say a book like sid fields screenplay and then the ones we were talking about, Joseph Campbell and your one, Into the Woods. Yeah. It was your, it was your guy, the name of your one. 
John York did the yeah fantastic book uh, Into the Woods because it sounds like he sounds like similarly along the lines of Joseph Campbell, uh, where it's quite an anthropological look at story and what it means to humans and and that and that, and that kind of business, which is great to have that knowledge as well mm. when you're when you're writing stories or writing screenplays. Your guy Joseph Campbell, and then a bit of Sid Fields to get a bit of screenplay structure, and then what I'd say is just read read loads of screenplays yeah. and what you'll find is when you start to watch films you know yourself you'll be able to recognize in the films that you love and the films that you're watching oh i can see here you know these kind of structures at play uh but having that bit of knowledge and bit of reading background reading is really important in order for you to do that uh so i, I, I felt i wanted to kind of clarify that because i felt like on the last podcast we just kind of gone ah these books are shit they don't mean just forget yeah. about them which actually i don't i don't really believe that i think you should read as much as you can just don't get obsessed by them Fantastic. Well, there's, like you said, I think last time, there's no painting by numbers. There's no um, right. There's no kind of uh, quick uh, fix to make, you know, whatever idea you've got into a hit. And I think that the implication with a lot of those guru books is that follow this specific set of uh, this sequence of of um, this process and you'll get a hit. And I think that's where yeah. there's the sort of bullshit element. But people have been putting some interesting other kinds of uh, books up on the um, Facebook yes. group uh, in the kind of talking in the, amongst the sort of film, screenwriting, directing um, uh, kind of, uh, you know, genre. And there's been a couple of classics. The Walter Murch book, which uh, in the blink, in the blink of an eye, eye which I think brilliant. We, we may even have mentioned it before, but it's, um, it is a classic and in, in understanding the sort of the importance that edit, the edit has in terms of structuring yeah. cinema and the story. So, I mean, you know, if people haven't read that, then it's, it is for sure a classic. Um, and my, my, one of my favorites, which isn't really even specific to, um, cinema, but it's by the God, David Lynch, is the catching the big fish, which is almost yeah. like a, uh, almost like uh, sort of seeing his creative process through his, you know, understanding of catching ideas. Mm -hmm. uh, obviously, quite influenced by his practice of transcendental med meditation. He talks um, a lot about that in the book, doesn't he? Yeah, he yeah. does. Yeah, but it's it's somehow it's like you you get a sense of what the experience of getting an idea is from from. The God Lynch perspective. Yeah. Um, what? What? Werner uh, Herzog's book, uh, a guide, a guide for the perplexed, was good. I like oh, that. Oh, yeah, Werner wonderful. Herzog. Yeah. Now you bought me an amazing book as well, didn't you? What did you? Which book did you got? You you got uh, me. Um, you got me something great as a birthday did present. I got you that one, or was was that the Nick Rogue one? The Nick Rogue one. Oh, yeah, yeah fantastic. This is great as well. I mean, those are the books I like. It's very much like the the Louis Bunuel one that started this whole our whole chats on this podcast off. They're books that are by filmmakers, but are also the, the topics in which they touch upon and very broad. They broaden out into life and philosophy and, and yeah. what have you. The David Lynch book um, is very much like that too. You are listening to the debut feature film podcast. This is DIY Cinema Cult. 
And we've got a we've got an interesting guest coming up, which uh, we recorded the interview a few days ago. Uh, we do, Mr. Mark A. C. Brown, who is a yeah. filmmaker who I met just in the kind of uh, short film nights uh, locally to me. Uh, uh, met him as a filmmaker back then, and I've kind of just been he's been on my radar for a while, and recently in the last couple of years. He's written, directed, and produced a um, a great uh, low budget feature film. Um, a, a very how, impressive, uh, very impressive feat. for the budget. I mean, I wasn't, I, I had no idea it was made. We will find out in the interview how much he roughly ballpark made it for, and it was a lot lower than than I thought, than I thought he'd done it for. But you know, he's put together a feature film. He's uh, sold it. It's now available on Sky. So in terms of low, low budget DIY, he was a great person to chat to. And it was, it was a lovely chat, wasn't it? It's a great, it's a great interview. And I think uh, people are really going to get a lot from it, particularly as he, he certainly does kind of tick all of the boxes in terms of a DIY attitude. Uh, he comes from sort of, you know, theater and writing. So he, you know, yeah. he, he, he's very kind of good in terms of thinking of, um, you know, w- ways to write to fit the budget that you have whatever and and in terms of what um what you have at your disposal to make something uh cinematic in a in a low budget way so i think everyone's going to really enjoy this interview all right so without further ado let's hear our interview with mr mark ac brown Hello, Mark. Hey, Mark. How are you doing, hey, man? Nice to meet you, Mark. How's it going? I'm, I'm, I'm good. I'm not too shabby. Oh, you've got your cocktail on the go and everything. A healthy well looking done, drink. Mate. Well done, indeed. Yeah, Mark, you've got to get your one up I've there got... as well. I've, I've not got lemon in mine. I've gone for Route One airline version oh. of a gin and tonic. How's the lockdown been for you then, mate? You've been keeping busy? Oh, well, I've got a five-year-old and a two-year-old, so... Uh... Oh, Very busy. Yeah. So I was trying to rack my brains, Mark, and figure where I kind of we first crossed paths i think and i kind of came to the conclusion that it might have been at those film nights run by the moore's bar in crouch end did you still yeah that was where i first saw your film the um coffee film which um, yes excellent um oh thank you it is it was I hate I hate short film nights. Even though I used to run, run them. <laughs> just, you know, it, it was actually running running them that made me hate them more because <laughs> you know there's there's always I mean there's always too many short films and there's not enough good short films and there's and so when I when there's one that I like I really latch onto it and, and yours was one of those. Oh, it, cool! It Thanks, man. Made me laugh a lot and um, so uh, yeah, that was I think yeah James Rumsey's um, James Rumsey's nights, yeah, yeah. That's right. And I, I, you, you were there for a couple of them, weren't you? Because I'm sure I saw you once or twice down there. Yeah, I've been, I went to lots of them in the end. Yeah. Because um, well, me and James became very good friends. We still are. And yeah. We're working together currently. And um, so, yeah, so also it was local to me as well. So it was just down the road. And um, so I'd, I would go there for booze, if not films, you know. <laughs> so how, And James is a producer, right? So is he producing some of your work now? Um, yeah, I mean, we've worked on a few sort of projects that we are still trying to get off the ground. And yeah. then he's been up in York working for Goldfinch Studios. So I, I wrote a film for them last summer. Right. That James was involved with. And 
then we've we've got various projects that we are trying to get going as well. So yeah, yeah, you know, we, we, we've doing doing a lot of stuff together. And you've kind of built up a bit of a kind of uh, group of collaborators because you've been sort of making quite a lot of uh, short films before Guardians, which we'll talk a little bit about. Uh, talk, tell us a bit about the sort of gang that you've got together. This sort of it feels a bit like a sort of band, you know, you've, you've managed to get together. <laughs> yeah, yeah, in a way, it's, you know, it's, a lot of people have described it like that. I, I, I started in theatre, and theatre is, uh. is much more kind of like a band atmosphere than film is because you are there rehearsing together, like in a very intense situation. And so I made a lot of my best friends doing my first plays. So the two leads in Guardians, I bet doing my first play and my second play, and and we got on very well and we've worked together consistently since and i'm, I'm the type of person as well that I, I i don't like working with people that i don't like i find it very mm. difficult to do anything that i don't like doing yeah and so the people that i do work with the people that i do like and i, I enjoy immensely working with and they get me and i get yeah. them and it's just there's there's a there's it's less effort you know, it's just. <laughs> the, I suppose it helps when you when you write something in the script and then end up directing it. I'm I'm thinking more film, but it must be the same with, with theatre as well. If you have that connection with somebody, you know, maybe you're writing for them as well. You kind of just have that. Yeah, you have that historical knowledge of each other. Yeah, definitely. I mean, like it was actually I would say more so with theatre. Right. Film because I I directed quite a lot of my own theatre and and I had no clue what I was doing. I was learning on the job. And so they were teaching me as I was teaching myself. And they were much more qualified than me. A lot of like David and Matt, both like Drama Center, Guildhall. Yeah. And so I, I came to London, wanting to do film and fell into theater. And I had no clue, no clue about it whatsoever. <laughs> <laughs> I was just going pure instinct and, and chemistry with the people that I knew. And, and so it kind of, yeah, kind of just um, developed from there that's, when I figured out the people that knew what I was talking about in the rambling bullshit that I, that I said, I kept those people around. <laughs> and, yeah. and when they said my words correctly, you know, I mean, when, when Matt first did my first play and he wasn't, he wasn't the lead in it, he was just a small part. And I just, when I was kind of drawn to him on stage, I was just like, that guy, he's, he's got yeah. it very correct entirely. That, that fellow there. And we just started chatting afterwards and, you know, now he's the, godfather of one of my children so friend, oh, there you uh, go uh, there you go that's matt prendergast isn't it and then also he was playing uh, alongside david whitney in your in your film guardians their chemistry is fantastic in that film yeah i mean we've done so many things together you know so tell us about um the debut feature guardian that is your debut feature isn't it is that right? Um, as a director, yeah. I, I'd done one before that as a writer. Tell us about how Guardians came about and, and, and who or what uh, were your inspirations for that film? Um, it, was, it was desperation in a way. Oh, fr no, frustration, frustration. Um, and uh, just the first film that I just briefly mentioned, um, that was not the success that we hoped it was going to be. We, because we, David and Matt were both in that film, but in... David was the lead, but Matt was in a very small part. And we, we thought it was going to be okay. And it, then various circumstances that had nothing to do with us, but um, made, made it kind of be a very unsatisfying experience. 
and I really can't go into more detail than that. We were so kind of fired up from it though, from, from almost getting there, because it got screened a can and it got like, you know, and wow. it, it, we felt we were so close to just breaking that mm. wall down, you know. So it took like another four years to get Guardians going from then, but just that, that fire that, that ignited was kind of like, we can't go back. We can't go back to just do what we're doing. One day, I just had this kind of brain fart of an idea. I just like, and I had a bit of cash because I just sold my flat and I moved right. in with my, my now fiance and mother of my children. And so I was like, I had not much, but I'd like, I'd set some aside for filmmaking. It was like five grand. And I was like, and it was meant to be part of a bigger film. It was meant to be me and several other people putting it into a bigger film, but that didn't happen. So I was just like, ah, oh, I've got five grand. Can I make a film for five grand? <laughs> and I'd made my short film, Corinthian, um, which had done pretty well at festivals. And I was like, ah, oh, that was good. I enjoyed doing that. I directed that with Fred. Yeah. And I was like, if I just do that, but like... Scale it up a bit. <laughs> scale up a lot <laughs> no, yeah because that cost essentially about it cost a grand to do and it was a day shoot but yeah. it was much higher end kind of equipment that we had than we had on Guardian so I was like if we just scale down the equipment and we scale up the days then uh, I can totally do this I can totally do a feature film piece of piss <laughs> <laughs> that was <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, that's yeah that's kind of what i did the location that you shot in was that a place that you how did you find that place oh, oh you're in it right now I'm in it right now yeah oh, <laughs> wow. okay. my, my fiance's house that she is oh. wow yeah she, she talk about make use of what you have already there you go. You're, you're applying diy cinema principles yeah I think, there, very yeah. very intelligently well, absolutely i mean i when i came up with the idea i was like i was like what have i got i've got my my partner's house which is she bought this five-story Georgian townhouse like wow. 20 years ago when the area was derelict virtually and until she's been slowly doing it up over time. And amazing. it's this mad, mad eclectic place with like, and uh, so I was like, I could probably shoot a film in here and house quite a lot of the crew at the same time. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I did that. I wrote, I wrote a story around the venue and obviously I knew I wanted, because I was paying for it myself, essentially, I knew that I wanted everyone in that, I, everyone that I knew in it. Yeah, yeah. Everyone that I'd worked with. And so I just wrote characters for them. And uh, around the house and all the spooky shit. This happened, it's 213 years old now. It's a, it's a weird house. It's a really spooky. Yeah, it's fantastic. It looks fantastic yeah. in the film. It looks, I mean, it looks, I, I was imagining... Uh, that you tr had found that location somehow. Yeah. Uh, and I was thinking, wow, that place is just perfect. Look at it. It's, this must have cost an absolute fortune because <laughs> I know what it's like trying to get locations. Oh, it's yeah. the most expensive bit, right? It's the most expensive bit usually of a shoot. Oh, yeah. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it was a godsend. And um, you know, everything, everything that I've looked at directorially since, I've mm. like... I've gone, do I, you know, if I've been, it's either it's been me writing the script or I've been looking at other people's, I've been like, do I know the venue? Do I know the thing? Is it, how yeah. can I, because like, I don't feel like I'm, because I'm, I'm, a, I'm a writer predominantly. So if I'm going to direct, I kind of like feel like I need control 
massively over where I'm shooting and and that stems from just doing it here where I had complete 100% control over every room everything and I knew I knew it sort of inside now and so we would yeah. we, we, it, we couldn't we didn't have the time to exploit it as much as I would have liked so I mean you know what kind of crew did you have then if you if you were shooting this in such a lo-fi way and and I mean were you doing it with favors or were you pay, trying to pay people something at least or uh, how did you make that work it was it was it was mostly favors like um the dop sue's sue smith amazing um she she'd worked she'd shot corinthian my short film and she'd worked with fred who produced and edited guardians on numerous other short films and other other projects and she'd actually worked on my second ever short film as a runner on my short film Stalker. So I've known Sue's for ages and we knew she was good at what she did and we knew that she was someone we wanted to get on board for this. And she brought a lot of the people with her. She just kind of cherry picked all these people that she knew were at that kind of level of, do you want to do a feature film? You know, yeah. we're doing it, you know, we'll, we'll provide, potentially provide accommodation, travel expenses, lots of food, drinks and it'll be fun you know we've always yeah. going, going back to theater and stuff the the way we've kind of managed to do it for almost no money is we just made it pleasurable yes you know we just yeah. we that's why we work why we work with people we like because yeah it's so much easier and so much more fun and people want to do it people want to have yeah. fun you know and it's, it's like, hard enough as it is. Yeah. You know, you might as well go to length to just to make it more fun for everyone involved, especially when you're working on a low budget scenario, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. So it's just all about being a really good atmosphere and a really kind of fun crew and fun, you know, team. Your career in theatre, you t- there's a lot of that transpose into film, a lot of things you learn in terms of your relationship with actors. Yeah, definitely. I mean, with these actors anyway, I mean, <laughs> we'll, yeah. we'll see how I deal with random strangers. <laughs> uh, but um, yeah, totally. Because I mean, Guardians has got a theatrical aspect to it. You know, it's all in one place, and there's a lot of talking and all that. You know, um, so we kind of tried to stick with what we knew and what we could be successful at. Um, yeah, I think I think you know, theatre is amazing. It's at, at it's not so much. Yeah, it's, it's dealing with actors. That's it's brilliant for that and stuff. But it's also just looking at looking at the words, looking at what it, what, what everything means, and making sure every line means something, or making yeah. everything's important, you know. And I find that very difficult working for other people in film, where yeah. it's, it's it's a different it's a different discipline, you know. It's it's not. I mean, I, I like writing funny lines, or I like writing cool lines, or whatever, you know. And, yeah. And you can't do that in film as much because theatre words are everything, and in film. Mm. It's about plot and it's about pushing things forward and it's about it's, it's more mechanical, you know. And I and I, yeah. I like I do like that. But when I get when I get to go when I get let loose, I love that. Yeah. When I watched it, I got a bit of a with nail and eye vibe from it. And also the relationship between Matt and, and David reminded me of Simon Pegg and Nick Frost kind of relationship. Is that what kind of inspirations did you have going in writing and directing the film? Yeah, I mean, with LI is definitely a thing, you know. I mean, I love space. I mean, that's, that's I think right. I'm from that generation, as I reckon you two are. Um, yeah. You know, there's, there's, there's certain, there's a golden age of sitcoms, I think, of, you know, 
in the, in the late 90s and early 2000s with and there were there was lots of fantastic like league of gentlemen and space and all that kind of stuff and that kind of really stuck with me and faulty i mean i mean and the earlier stuff as well blackout of 40 towers was what i grew up on but then spaced and the league of gentlemen and phoenix knights and that kind of stuff yeah i, just, I loved and so all that i get compared well, no, i don't but rather the guardians it's mm. gets, gets space gets referenced a lot with guardians yeah and that's that was not intentional that was there was no intention i guess it's the you know it's the big house as well it's the yeah, yeah, yeah. location you can't you can't get away from it um, <laughs> it's, um but it's just it's just that that's just my sense of humor it's just i guess yeah. it's similar to to that kind of that ilk um but within ally was a definite touchstone uh, what i thought was interesting was obviously uh you know the film that me and mark are trying to make has has got a similar diy attitude as in we're trying to make it uh, predominantly in one location, you know, it's a classic DIY <coughs> uh, trick or approach to make. But what I was quite impressed by with Guardians was that quite early in the film, you opened it up, so you wandered around the locality, and I felt like I was like, ah, oh, it kind of gave it a feeling of being higher budget than it than it obviously was. <laughs> was just suddenly you're in a cool bit of London, and he's telling a fun story. Um, and you're creating atmosphere, but you're also spreading it into the location. So tell, talk about those, I suppose, those tricks that as a writer or a director, you try to elevate a story beyond its very limited budget range. Well, yeah, um, that, was, that was very on purpose. And that was, I stole that from Joss Whedon from the Firefly pilot. And right. his, one of his opening shots is basically just walking around the spaceship mm. because he, he wanted he said he, was, he wanted to give the audience the layout of the layout of the spaceship straight off the bat so there was so there's no need to explain which room this was when you were going into it blah 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 and so it just then you can then you can forget about it and then, then it's up to the audience to figure out where everything is in the thing and it was yeah it was meant to just give a bit of scale of the house you know and to say this is this is not set this is this is a this is a this is a character within the play within the within the film. Yeah, but I did think that was great. Was suddenly you're on the you suddenly you're at the river and suddenly you're walking through the old East End and there's Canary Wharf there and it's kind of it's free backdrop. You know, it's a it's a free bit of production value because you're just in London and it looks cool when you're by the river and it tied into the story really neatly. I mean that's exactly it. I mean because I mean when I was when I was writing it, it, it this, the film kind of became about the old East End versus the sort of the new East End and, yeah, you know, like, um, but the Buxton characters meant to represent sort of the, the evil developers that are perpetually gentrifying all of, all of the East End and London in general. And um, yeah, it was just, again, you got the free, we, the, the Thames is just literally two minutes walk yeah. that way. Yeah. And I was like, we well, we'll have to use it. And we asked. Yeah. We asked you. You did. You actually. You actually got permissions. No. I was. We <laughs> <laughs> said no, and you said fuck it. <laughs> well, it's, it's Two hundred and fifty pounds an hour to do it. Wow. Yeah. So yeah. we were like, okay, we'll not. Well, which one? <laughs> so we went out at two yeah. o'clock in the morning. <laughs> we're still joggers. We're still, we're still yeah. joggers. Don't believe it. Uh, we yeah. went out at two a.m. and we just did it. Like um, we were very fortunate again. Favors. To get yeah. the, um, this amazing steady cam guy to come and 
do it for us. And so we did like, just, I think, three takes. And we're kind of quite yeah. broken up because not, nothing was perfect. And nothing to do with the actors, it was to do with joggers. Mm. And, uh, and obviously it's the Thames, which has got like stuff on it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Did you say you were shooting on 5D? Is that the whole film on 5D? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Wow. So it looks great for 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 yeah. You know what people think of now as a dinosaur, although it was amazing back in the day. But um... yeah, I mean it was because um, Aaron, who who plays the politician with the uh, the turban, um, he he'd made a film. We we met at a film festival in Romania, and he his film was called Hackney's Finest. And um, and so he sent me, and I was watching it, and I was like, "This this looks amazing. How has this been?" Yeah. And he's like, "Oh, it's five Ds." I was like, "No, no, how 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 how?" And he's like, "Well, it's just good DLP, good lenses." And I'm like, oh, yeah. right. <laughs> well, let's do that. Then. And so I kind of I was like I was blown away by it because I was like I thought you know because we we shot on five Ds before and we just couldn't we didn't make it look as good as it did. And, and again, yeah. with Guardians, you know, there's only so much you can do because we, we, we didn't have the amount of lighting we would have liked. We didn't have the time. You know, I mean, Suze, the DOP, she was a genius in many ways about this whole situation because she came in the day before we started shooting and she strung uh, like a, a, a string of lights right up our house, up the staircase. So it got right up the middle of the house. So she'd have this sort of general light prepared yeah. whenever she wanted it. And she just rigged stuff. That we, so we didn't have to didn't have to do loads of setups and loads of lighting changes. Yeah, yeah. Wow, very cool. Um, but I'm, what I'm quite impressed with is that usually with a low budget film, particularly shot on a you know DSLR, uh, it sounds shit. But your film does not sound shit. Your film sounds like a film, as in there's clearly shots where <laughs> where they're two or three, four or five meters away. So I'm interested to know how you, you did do the sound. Was it all boomed or radio well, mic? The legend that is Emanuele Coriani, who, um, who I know a lot of people have, a lot of people I know have worked with, and he's he's, he's just fantastic. He's a wonderful Italian chap, and and uh, and Patrick Singer, who was his little protege. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, there was some some of it was boomed, some of it was just Manuele just stringing stuff in weird places. No, some of it was radio mic'd. Um, but we didn't have, we had, we had two, like two radio mics. And as, you, as, you, as you've seen, there's like scenes with six, seven, eight people. In it or some, some yeah. Time. Yeah. So that, that scene, uh, that was, that was boomed with, <laughs> and the, the, the behind the scenes pictures, which I don't have sadly, cause we didn't have the space to take them. <laughs> was just, you know, Manuele just on the ceiling, virtually just, you know, it's like you know, that bit in Hereditary, um, I don't know, you know, like, you know you yeah. the background against the wall, you know, in the corner of the room, like, you know, up there. Like, that was yeah. a Manuele with the boom. He literally stood on top of our fridge. And um, so he was, he, he might, he's a little fella, so he might just stick himself in all kinds of places. And uh, then it was just good radio mic and good placement of mics. He was just, he was amazing. Generally, I'd recommend mm. him thoroughly. Manuel Amazing. Yeah. Yeah. We, 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 we might have to take his number off you at some stage there, Mark. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> he's, 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 he is definitely worth a look.
what um, so what's happened with the film now? So I mean, how many years ago do you actually shoot it, and kind of when did you officially finish, and what's the sort of state of uh, what, what happened with it um, once it's done? It's currently on Sky Store. Uh, Amazon and iTunes at the moment, and we are just waiting for our subtitles for America. Uh, we've got we've got American platforms too, but um, we just need subtitles because they need subtitles apparently. But um, so we're just getting those done. It's been a, it's been a really arduous process. That had mm. we had money, it would have been probably a year quicker, I think. Mm. Um, but when we were doing when we were editing Guardians, we we sat down for three weeks. Boom! We just knocked through it, and it was great. And we got like a really good sort of thing, a reasonable cut of it done. But we hadn't signed it off. We there was still lots to tweak and everything. And then, and then, sadly, his mum got um, very ill, and he had to go back to France, which mm. we assumed was going to be short term, like a month or two, and it ended up being a year. Wow! Oh, wow. Yeah. So we had to we shut down for like six months. Yeah. And he came back and we did some more stuff for a little bit. He came back for like a weekend and we just did some stuff. And so really, yeah, the whole that whole situation delayed the process by close to, close to a year. Then we got a sales agent. I can't put the timelines completely baffling to me now. I can't even remember anything. Um, <laughs> got a sales agent three cans ago. I think that's great. <laughs> I love the way you just judge time by how many cans have gone. No, I mean we'd love to chat to you about sales agents in a bit, but just jumping back to, um, I mean, you mentioned really early on you had five grand in your bank, and that was yeah. what kickstarted the film. Uh, how did you go about raising other budget? You couldn't have made the whole thing for five grand. Don't tell me that. Um, well, we shot it for seven. Wow. That's what that's 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 that was all all in was seven and it's cost just over the same again for posts and festivals and all that. Yeah. So well, that's it. I mean, I mean, I'm that I'm massively impressed by that because it certainly doesn't look amazing. like a seven grand in the can film. No, to it's me. incredible. Yeah. Yeah. And so, yeah, we were sort of about to chat a little bit about sales agents and uh, I mean, what's been your process with that because. Um, you know, we've we've sort of talked about it in in previous podcasts. Um, but uh, what what how did you what did you do? You just send people rough cuts, or what what you approach people you thought was appropriate? We we couldn't have made a film at sort of a worse time to get a sales agent because you know, like four years ago, where the market was changing so much because mm. cinema was completely being taken off the table. Um, Netflix and the whole streaming thing was coming on, but no one, no one knew what to do with that. Mm. No one knew how to, because then all the territory situation changed. So, you know, it wasn't just like, oh, we're going to release it at the cinemas here and DVD here and that kind of stuff. It, and, and, you know, because the, the streaming situation just changed everything. And so we had a lot of people offering us a lot of different things, a lot of segmented sort of things. We had like American sales agents offering us DVD in America but nothing really else. And I was like, well, I can't sign with you because you're just offering me that. If I sign with you, then I probably can't sign with these people because they're going to possibly want the DVD. Even though yeah. DVD was completely dying as well. And, and it <coughs> has, in fact, totally died. Mm -hmm. And so it was, it, was, it was a real sort of 
weird, weird conversation with a lot of different people about what they could offer us and trying to get something that would give us the best exposure and not the best exposure then, but the best, best exposure like in 18 months time. Yeah. yeah. And how we couldn't predict what 18 months time was going to be like. I think that's where I saw it at the, uh, the crouch end screening you had. Right, at the right, yeah. Picture house. Yeah. It was fantastic. It looked great up on the big that, screen. That, you know, the, the crouch end picture house um, screening was our, it wasn't our best screening, but it was our best looking screening. It looked beautiful. That, that it looked fantastic. Yeah. Cause we, we had, to, we, we did our West end premiere thing at the, what used to be the Apollo, but it's now the view, I, I think, um, right. on, on lower region street. And, um, we had one cinema one night and one cinema, a different cinema the next night in the same, in the same multiplex. And they look completely different. The, oh. the we're like the first one. Yeah. Looked okay. Then we saw it on the second one, like, oh wow, that is what we—that's what we thought we'd shot. Yeah, yeah. And so that—that's been—that's been my experience with every single cinema that I've ever sh- ever shown this in, whether it's been yeah, picture, that's... sound, or whatever. It's been completely different every single time. Yeah, that's bizarre, isn't it? You sort of assume that somehow it's all digital; it comes out, and that's just what it's yeah, like. You think but, it's, but, yeah, it's just bigger or smaller. It's yeah, it's not. It's magic. It's the entire system's cinemas well. so seemingly unique. So. Yeah, I, I mean, I know that from, from doing festivals with films, and you'll you'll see it at one festival where they they've got it right, and the the sound and picture looks amazing, and then you go to another one, and it's just awful, and your film looks terrible, and there's just no care given to uh, the, yeah. the sound or picture. No. Film festival I've been to where it's like you're showing it on you're showing it on what you're showing. <laughs> I mean, I, yeah. I know nothing about technology, but I know when I can see a shit projector. You know, yeah. Like, oh, that's, yeah. that's not going to look good. And is the sound coming out of the projector as well? Because that's going yeah. to make an issue. The most amazing experience I had was when We Are What You Drink went to the London Film Festival. You get a, you get a day where there was, a, there was a, a night of like eight films and we all got invited to the NFT one where it was going to be screening. And you get to sit in the NFT one on your own with the, with the projectionist and the sound guy and, just, and they run through your film. Oh. And they go, is this loud enough for the start? And you're like, oh, bring it down a little bit, and then go up after the music. And it's amazing, and the pit and the picture just looks incredible. And that was one of my first festivals. I thought all festivals are going to be like this, <laughs> and then it turned out the rest of them pretty much eighty-six percent of them just screened off DVD or something. You know. <laughs> and so um, once you'd kind of got your sales agent, um, and and you know what what difference did they make? As in, you know, do that. What, how do they get it into people's eyeballs, as in from that point onwards? Well, that is the big question, isn't it? Because that is that is the mystery. They don't they don't let you sit in with them <laughs> and do it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, they asked for a lot of stuff. You know, obviously they they redid they redid our publicity. They um, redid our posters, um, and they asked. You know, they they sort of recut the trailer. They did lots of all that kind of stuff. Um, they didn't really rebrand it that much, which was good because everyone was like, you can't call it Guardians because of Guardians of the Galaxy. So I was mm. like, well, oh, I like it. And so there was talk about calling it Guardians of the East End and I was like, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> I, did, I did think your publicity on that film was great. I love the posters and everything. It just kind of, it really, I, I mean, it just had a real kind of big budget feel to it, your, the actual posters that you have going out. Well, I mean, like, we had like three versions, well, three well, we had so many different posters, but like we had the first mm. version 
said the red and black one. That was done by um, DGL Creative, who'd, who'd done a poster for us for a film that never happened. And they were so cool and good, and they just give you loads, of, and they're, they're very reasonably priced. So they just gave, they give us, you know, a couple of nice options, and and um, and then we just did a photo shoot where there was a couple of pictures that was like, these are cool. Yeah. We should make a poster out of them. And Fred's Fred's a little tech genius, so he just did a couple of posters of those. So those are what we ran with for most of the pre-sales agent stuff. I mean, the ones I've got in my mind are the ones of, of Matt and David on the stairs. Yeah, yeah those... that was just, um, that was Fred's then girl. Ah, came yeah. To the house and did the, um, did a photo shoot. And I was like, just shoot them, shoot them on the weird stairs, shoot them, yeah, shoot them up front yeah. of the house, you know. And uh, she did a cracking job and uh, we just turned yeah. into posters. Yeah, those are my favourite. Those are great. And so what, what do you feel like the kind of end game was with, the, with Guardians, as in once you've got it out there? I mean, how, su- how recent is it that it's got on the streaming platforms and that kind of thing after well, you've done your, your cinema? It came onto Sky Store and all the stream platforms on December. So that, that was the end game. I mean, our, our end game was to have a film that we yeah. could show people that we could, we could do a film. Yeah, I, I guess the fact that it's been a success in that regard, that you've sold to Sky, just means that your next project, you just, you just evidently, like you say, you've got a bit of track record now. You can turn in a film, it can sell. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's just having that thing on IMDb saying completed. And, with a yeah. <laughs> and uh, you know, it's, it's, it's amazing how like, some, it's, it's almost that simple. I see you've kind of gone back to theatre again with Punching Horses. So tell us, is, tell us about that. Has that been on, on stall now because of the whole Yeah, massively. COVID? If, if, hopefully it'll happen. Um, right. We'll see. It was, um, yeah, because when I was writing that film this summer, the, I previously, previously mentioned, I was, I, was, I was up in York, kind of isolated. Not, not, not because mm-hmm. of the virus, <laughs> it's just before that. But um, they wanted me there to, to write it so I could collaborate um, with everyone in York. And so I was kind of holed up in various places where nobody was. It's not like London where I can just... <laughs> it's not York City. Yeah. It was the outskirts of York in the middle of the countryside. Right, right. So I was like, completely cut off. So, um, so I do my... I can only usually write about two hours a day. Um, yeah. for, for whatever film I'm doing, anything, anything I'm doing, and I get I get my stuff done. And after that, sometimes I just want to cleanse my palate. And I just had this idea, and then I started writing. And I was like, oh, I think this is I think this is a play. And yeah, I hadn't done a play in like ten years, and I just liked I just liked writing. I just enjoyed it. It was just one of those palate cleansers of just like I was, I was enjoying just letting these people talk. It's like I said, like I said before, you know, it's let me off the leash and been able to. Yeah. Completely gobshite a script to death, you know. And, uh, and Amazing, and, and and so the film you were writing in York is that the one called Limpet? No, what, what film? Um, Limpet's my own thing. Okay. On, on IMDb, the one I'm writing in York is called Shooting Paul. Oh, okay, I'm right. Paul. I mean, that's that's. Kind of... You're you're a busy man, Mark. <laughs> you're uh, a busy man. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I don't like to be. Uh, I don't like to be. What what kind of doors has has it opened? I mean, maybe the virus has kind of uh, uh, closed a few doors for a lot of filmmakers and writers and what have you. But what kind of doors have been opened by Guardians getting out there? Well, um, well, getting that, getting that. I mean, it's, I've, 
when I had kids, I stopped saying yes to projects that weren't paying me. Mm. And, and that's, that was difficult to begin with because, you know, but as soon as Guardians came along and we had it and we had awards and we had distribution, then all of a sudden people were like, oh, so how much do you want? Like not, not big money by any means, but it was like they accepted the fact that they were going to have to pay me. Yeah. So that, that was a big difference. That's <laughs> now I work for money. I know on your website, Mark, that your Olympic script, you've got quite a good bunch of like soundbite reviews. It's been in some script competitions. Mm. Is that something you tend to do with your screenplays? You, you kind of, to get a, your feelers out, you put them into competitions and that sort of thing? I just love festivals. Uh, right. Especially when, you have, when you've got kids and you're not allowed <laughs> out of the house as much as you need to do. <laughs> uh, if you can find a reason to go out, let's work. Uh, yeah. Then, um, <laughs> so yeah, I love festivals, and so when when you know, with short films, you know, you can enter into like thousands of festivals, and mm. you you know, and you can go to them, and it's fun. With feature films, you can't. You can you can only you can enter like maybe as a fifth of the amount of festivals that you'd order enter as a short film because of the costs and because mm. the le- the likelihood of being selected is lower. So I missed festivals and, and I was writing, still, I'm still writing lots of scripts. Um, and so the ones that I, that, that were mine, that weren't, that wasn't getting paid for whatever I, I would like oh, to get some festivals. Because it's, it's never something I've done uh, myself with a, with an actual script. Is it so it's something you'd recommend doing with a feature script? Yeah, I think I think it's becoming more of a thing, really, as well. I've mm. noticed that that the script thing. I mean, it's, it's a dangerous game as well because um, you you got to go to the right festivals because I've, I've as I've discovered, which I'm not going to discuss on here, but there's, mm. there's a danger of uh, people stealing stealing stuff. Yeah, I just thought what would be quite nice is to sort of a top tip for a DIY filmmaker, DIY yeah. uh, writer, director. You know, what give us a sort of uh, you know, top threes are quite useful, but any, anything off the top of your head that you think is a kind of killer tip or two uh, for a DIY filmmaker or DIY writer-director like yourself? Well, I'm going to skip the usuals, which would be, you know, kind of just calling all your favours all that kind of stuff, because everyone knows that. It's just, I mean, for me, it was location. Find a location mm-hmm. that you can get that is either free or cheap or whatever. They are, they are out there. You know, I mean, we mm-hmm. the the church we got in in Guardians, which we only shot for one night, and they they wanted five hundred pounds to shoot there. And I really want to shoot there because they have this mad pyramid, um, mm. gravestone thing. And we just said, <laughs> we said we can't afford five hundred pounds. That's like literally a tenth of our budget. <laughs> and they being lovely, lovely Christians that they were, that uh, they went all right, hundred pounds. <laughs> They were like, all right, yeah, we'll do that. We'll do that. So we like, <laughs> like five hours for a hundred quid. And amazing. So it's just, and you know, the pub, the pub was just our local pub. And so it's really, I think if you can write to a location, that's amazing because then you can, yeah. once you've got the parameters, you can just play. Yeah, location is key. Cause it's, it's, it's a bit like uh, what Hadi was saying in an earlier uh, Hadi Hajeg, director we were talking to in an earlier podcast, it's finding things you can have access to that then also 
lift the production value of your entire yeah. film because you suddenly yeah. have this so amazing it, looking thing. Yeah. Make it unique. Make yeah. things that no one's ever seen before. And it might not be mind blowing, but it has but people will go, oh. as long as you can get yeah. out of people, then you've done you've done well. And you know, having this house, everyone's like, oh that house was weird. Or it was beautiful or it was Yeah. No, how did you get that? You know, it's just it's so it's always a question. And so it's been it served its purpose. I love the way I love the way that you. I don't know if this was intentional or not, but it, but I'm hoping it was. I love the way that right at the start of uh, Guardians, you basically make a point about the fact that the sound is going to be shit in this room uh, because you've got the motorway just outside, yeah. or you've got a big A road. <laughs> so if you get out of jail card. Yeah. It's it, like, it was- sorry, everyone, we're in this room. It sounds just going to be awful, and that's part of the story. <laughs> 100% it was massively on purpose because you know, I lived in the house and I tried to make the sounds the sound work for the film and so yeah, I was like right we're going to get this out of the way <laughs> uh, there's going to be a car noise in the background perpetually yeah, yeah. writing this into the script now is going to be cheaper than ADR for a week so. <laughs> yeah, the sirens now about the wind. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it was all, it was just bang on cue actually. Just there, yeah. but but we we put that in and post. We've got all these clever things that we do here. No, I've got this keyboard here. I'm putting in all the sounds. Yeah. Oh, Mark, mate. So do you want do you want to let people know where we can where they can kind of find you, at like a Twitter or Instagram or or your website or? Yeah, sure. Um, my Twitter is um, at Mark A C Brown. Instagram is at Mark A C. B film and my website is markacbrown.com Brilliant. Guardians obviously is like it's guardiansfilm.co.uk and it's available on Sky, Amazon and iTunes for reasonable price. I think it's just come down in price actually. It was like nine ninety nine to buy. Like like anyone buys them. Uh, <laughs> I think it's, it's seven ninety nine to buy and three ninety nine to rent. I think. Amazing! I would recommend anyone to, to give it a look. It's a it's a it's a brilliant achievement. And um, after hearing all the stories you've announced today, I'm sure people would be fascinated to see see the finished results, mate. I hope so. There's um, there's some nudity in it as well. Male. <laughs> <laughs> you should have left out the male bit. I know, I know, but you know. It's... We can ADR that later just to bump up the ratings. Oh, Mark. Great to talk to you, yeah, Mark. Cheers, yeah, Mark. Fantastic. Absolute pleasure. Absolute pleasure. You are listening to So there we go that was our chat with mark thank you mark for kind of coming on coming on the the show really interesting i think um some brilliant uh insights into the sort of process of a of a real diy uh cinema cult member who uh, has managed to get something that we're trying to do off the ground get a yeah. film made with your mates by hook or by crook and so many interesting insights into that that process i mean yeah a bit of an inspiration isn't it really for sure. I mean, particularly, I think, uh, confirming our feeling of, of, you know, that location seems to be such a key aspect, you know, being able to 100%. get a location that gives you so much and that you have the run of and that you can potentially, um, you know, use for multiple different sorts of environments and, and different yeah. kind of aspects of the, of the film. Fantastic uh, in, in information from him, Mark, and a lovely fellow to boot. Yeah. Um, I was going to say as well, Aaron, we should probably point out that um, 
because they might be peppered through this episode. We've been back in contact with our old mate Oz, haven't we? Oh, yeah. Oz Smith. Indeed. And uh, and the three of us have been monkeying around with little uh, bits of uh, music and stuff for more idents for DIY Cinema Cult. Wait for it. Wait. Wait for it. Yeah, well, you, listeners, you may have heard that we've had a bit of an audio refresh, if yes. they, as they used to call it in uh, back in our 90s advertising days, an audio rebrand. So yes. we, we just decided to sort of expand the or the palette of audio beyond the... N mnemonics. Do you remember when they were called mnemonics? Something mnemonics. was called mnemonics. Mnemonics, was like yeah. It sound sting of some kind. Yeah, is that a word what that I could them? never spell because I seem Mnemonic. to remember there's, there's a bunch of like N's and M's next to each other. It was just one of those waffly words that they used to say yeah. a lot in the late 90s. Which meant that they could put masses of uh, zeros on the end of a budget. <laughs> <laughs> I had yeah. no idea what they were talking <laughs> yeah. about. But yeah, yeah. so we, we've been here, hopefully been hearing lots of interesting new mm. audio elements to uh, enforce our uh, friendly cult I, this I brings like a bit of weirdness to to the episodes. I like that's that's what I like about them. Yeah, and I, I'm wondering if in some way, what because you know we're going to sort of keep expanding that, and obviously both yeah. of us sort of play around with with music. And up till now, you've been listening to a tune of of uh, of mine that Mark's been tinkering with. That's been our audio uh, signature, and we've now got more yeah. more in the way of that. I'm wondering if there's the potential for because. You know, the DIY filmmaker is somebody who's likely to be able to get the uh, sing the theme tune, write the theme tune, yeah, yeah. be the be the lead actor, be the camera person, be the uh, the boom op. Yeah. Is, there, is there the potential for narrative pieces that could be relayed Ooh. through the podcast? And I mean, you Interesting. know, maybe you know, like one minute audio stories in I like the idea fashion. of that I like the idea of that so like you know short uh so obviously we want the film festival to be something that people can watch on the Facebook etc but maybe there's something we could pepper in throughout Ooh, the um, a little serial a little yeah. series oh, oh that, yeah. I like that I yes. like that so you know short cliffhangery or surreal um audio stories yeah uh, in a kind of podcast fashion so so maybe we'll throw that out as uh, something that we could uh we could suggest people might be interested in doing so what yeah. about you know going outside of the medium of film in some fashion or another to the medium of audio or podcasts and um creating a kind of a hooky or a surreal or an interesting audio journey to take our listeners start small, start simple but um yeah so maybe that's something we can start to explore as the maybe we could way. take a uh, quite in quite a uh, serious inspiration from blue jam do you remember blue jam oh yes blue jam used to love yeah. blue jam and uh, so and you know there's something that uh me and my friend music partner chris made which maybe we could put as a sort of oh your thing on addiction ah yes maybe. okay well maybe we could how long is that is that i think it's about three four minutes 
let's play that on the next episode. <laughs> <laughs> that, that can that can feed everyone's imagination and get everyone inspired. Yeah. Let's play your addiction track on the could, next could episode. Could it be that the sponsor for the podcast is, <laughs> is this uh, anti-addiction guru? Yeah, it's just that. Uh, <laughs> You are listening to the debut feature film podcast. This is DIY Cinema Cult. So, mate, what about One Minute Film Festival, the DIY Cinema Cult One Minute Festival? How are we it's, doing on that? Well, it's looking pretty good as far as I could tell. I mean, there's a great film that's a this uh, called The Little Lebowski, which has been sort of tickling my fancy. A sort of a done in lockdown film tribute to um, to a, a, a classic movie, a, f- a sort of scene from a classic movie, which I think is which is fantastic. Yeah, and- we've got. If you check out the Facebook page, you'll see a bunch of really great films. There's one called Breathe. There's one called Her Last Ballet. Yep. There's Sanshi uh, is kind of interesting. Sanshi is amazing. Yeah, I love I I love the soundtrack on that. Um, yeah. So we've got like a low. We've got a bunch of great films. My my boys made made a short film that's on there. One minute they film. Did. Yeah, um, but, there's um, some great stuff. So I think um, we've got to kind of keep the ball rolling. I think, wh- where are we? We've got about another three weeks, I think, before before yeah. they say, okay, lockdown's over. We want to get, uh, you know, before the end of June, let's let's make sure that we've got a really good selection to choose our top three from. And we will try and get uh, members of those top three on the podcast for a bit, yeah. of, a, bit of a chat about how they made their film and... Um, uh, and their DIYness. All right. So, is there any other business, or are we all are we all good? <laughs> <laughs> I can't think of any more business, particularly <laughs> any more business. All right. Well, nice one, Mark. Nice one, Aaron. Let's do it. All right, mate. All right, mate. I speak See to you later. soon. See you, listeners. Bye-bye. Bye bye. on twitter at diy cinema cult or on instagram we are diy underscore cinema underscore cult seek out the diy cinema cult group on facebook or why not email us at diy cinema cult at gmail.com follow us, follow us.